Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. I hope you're all doing well today. Uh, I hope you've all seen that beautiful, gorgeous moon that we had out there. It was spectacular. And just watching it across the sky, meeting up with Saturn, it was just gorgeous. And, you know, in the summertime here in the Pacific Northwest, we're lucky because we finally get to see the sky. So it's a good time to go outside and actually observe astrology in action. I love that. I love that. I see a lot of people popping in this morning. Good morning to Debbie and Erica and happy Friday to everybody, by the way. Awesome. Tanya, it's good to see you. Tom, of course, hello to you. Pam Zaruba says, good morning, everyone. Been wondering about astro relocation. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about today. Um, <laughs> Tom, astro relocation and astro cartography are very moving. Indeed, we are moving the chart. And good morning to you, Christine. And there's actually a story. Of course, there always is with me, isn't there? There's a story behind why this came up into my awareness. And it's a story that starts quite a ways back when I was first learning astrology. And in that story, I didn't know my birth time. And I remembered as a child coming across a birth certificate. I don't know if it was mine or my little sister's, but I thought my birth time was like six something in the morning, 6.30, I think is what I thought it was. So I entered that into the astrology program I was using, which is still astro, astro.com. It's what I love to use. And um, I came up with the chart and I had a Leo rising and I was kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Then... Then fast forward several years, I was getting ready to go on a trip to Mexico. And in order to go there, of course, you needed a passport. So when I, I, before I could get my passport, I had to get a copy of my birth certificate uh, because I hadn't seen my birth certificate in years. And sure enough, when I got it, the birth time was not 6.30 a.m., but 7.58 a.m. So when I put that into the astrology program, it changed my, my rising sign to cancer. And I was so unhappy about that, right? I was terribly unhappy about having a cancer rising sign, only because I had gotten used to myself as being a Leo rising sign, right? That, that made sense to me in the way that I was the way I viewed myself, the way that I was living my life <clears throat> to have cancer now was like, oh my gosh, I have to rethink this. Now, of course, cancer fits me perfectly. It really does. But there's just something about that Leo energy. Well, a couple of, let's see, was about a week ago, I was working on some galactic astrology and I came across a chat with um, Julia about relocation charts. And she thought it was an excellent idea to relocate your chart before you actually did the galactic astrology. And I was like, why would you want to do that? I mean, what's the point? Um, you know, unless I, I was in my thinking, unless you were born halfway across the world, there wasn't going to be an, a, an appreciable impact on your chart or on, you know, the, the birth chart. So boy, was I wrong, right? Was I wrong? So I, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to play the game. So I input my birth information, but instead of using the city I was born in, I used the city I live in. And the chart made sense because suddenly I had a Leo rising, Leo rising. So relocating my chart from Southern California, where I was born to Northwest Washington, where I now live, changed my chart from an ascendant of 26 degrees cancer to a one degree Leo rising, which in my chart had a lot of impact because, because, because I'm using the whole sign uh, system that changed the house relationships, right? Not just the degree of the rising, but it changed literally the house relationship because in whole sign now, Leo is uh, my entire first house and then cancer my entire second house, third, and so forth, all the way around. So it made a lot of sense. Now, if you were born, <clears throat> so two of you out there 
And I hope, Debbie, this was okay because I knew you lived quite a ways from where you were born. So I used your chart and Tom, because he's just recently moved clear across Canada, I used his chart. So we're going to take a look at some charts and see the impact. Uh, but there's one other piece of evidence that I found in this that popped up this morning as I was thinking about uh, all week long, you know, raise your hand out there in the background if you have had weird dreams all week long or if you've had people from your past showing up in your dreams because I've had people from my past showing up in my dreams and they were all my nieces and nephews, mostly nephews. <clears throat> I only had a niece in the dream because she happens to be the child of my nephew. So she's actually a great niece. And I was like, God, what is up with that? Why are they visiting me in my dreams? I even reached out to one of my nephews and said, hey, you showed up in my dream last night. Is all well in your world? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure, I'm good. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know why you're showing up in my dreams, but you are. So <clears throat> when I looked at my chart this morning, well, I just happened to start thinking about, well, what does my chart look like with the relocation? Well, if Leo is on the rise, then Aquarius, where the full moon was, is on the seventh house. And when you look at nieces and nephews in a chart, they are actually, they fall in the seventh house because I'll show you how you count that out um, in just a minute here. So it's been an interesting couple of days now with this idea of relocation and then evidence pouring in that sort of supports that a relocated chart is pretty powerful, right? It's a pretty powerful tool, especially if, now here's what here's what really made me go, hmm, I'm gonna use this because for the last several years, I hadn't really felt, I guess I did feel like the Cancer Rising was working, but there was something about that Leo Rising that I wasn't ready to let go of and I didn't know why, right? I thought I was just being, you know, I don't know, crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then when I started looking at the relocation chart, now it made perfect sense. So we're going to take a look at my chart, Tom's chart, Debbie's chart, if that's okay with you, Debbie, you might just have to tap in and say, okay, I see a yes there. So I'm thinking you said okay for that. <clears throat> so you can see the different kinds of impacts that can happen uh, with if the relocation of a chart. Now we're not moving the planets. Essentially, the planets, you know, other than... Um, where they're located in the chart, they're not changing. They're all at the same degree that they would have been no matter where you were born, maybe just a couple of minutes or, or timing just a little bit different, especially if it's the moon. But they might be placed differently based on the house, which tells you then where in your life this planet's energy is playing out. So that's what happened for me, right, is that the energy of the planets are playing out in a completely different way. And Yes, it makes perfect sense to me now. Um, we're also going to talk about today where the moon is uh, now, at now, now that we've gone through the full moon. And uh, right now we're still finishing the Aquarius transits of the moon. Soon this afternoon or later this morning, the moon will move over into the sign of Pisces and we'll be there for Saturday. Uh, all, the rest of the day today, all day Saturday, and a good chunk of Sunday, and then we move into Aries on Sunday before we finish out the weekend. So um, I want to talk about Pisces and Aquarian moon, and then we're also starting a new human design week today, and that's an important one uh, because where the earth is sitting, we also have the moon at the same gate and we also have Saturn at the same gate. So we have an earth moon Saturn conjunction, if you will, at the gate 49, the gate of revolution in your human design chart. So that really drives some uh, changes in terms of where we are heading uh, for the next week. And let's see, good morning. There's more people popping in. Good morning, Sylvester. It's great to see you. Andy girl, hello. Um, what do you know about the sun moon signatures? Well, I've not heard that terminology, but what I'm assuming you mean is the combination of the sun and moon in a chart. So my sun in Gemini, my moon in Virgo, both ruled by Mercury. So how that really puts a lot of emphasis on Mercury or Mercury actually ends up being the, the, the de facto ruler of my chart, even if it wasn't that I had Gemini as the sun. 
Uh, so maybe that's what you mean. Good morning, Barbara Doughton. It's good to see you. And let's see what else is going on. JLo, hello. My kids have had them, especially the Leo girls. Uh, it is kind of crazy. Like, why, why, why were these people showing up in my dreams? I had no idea. But let's, you know, barring any other questions that I can answer quickly for people, I'm just going to scroll back a little bit. Good morning, Corey. And I uh, Lenny, good morning. It's good to see you out there. I don't know if I see any other questions except Sylvester. Yes, that's what you mean. Yeah, so the sun, moon, signatures, the combination of the two, you know, they're making that makes up a good, you know, 50 to 60% of who you are, both your outer world and your inner world. But let me tickle your fancy in another little way. So wherever the sun was when you were born, by transit through the first year of your life, passed by every planet in your chart. So as the sun was moving through, it was birthing the energy of that planet as it passed through. So my sun is in Gemini. My moon didn't technically get birthed until Virgo time, which puts it in September. Uh, late August, I think in my, in my chart, it was actually, no, my, it was early Virgo. So sometime in August is when the sun hit my moon for the first time and birthed my moon. And so every planet has its own birthday chart, if you will. Uh, they call them persona charts, right? So the persona of my inner self was birthed at the time the moon or the sun came to five degrees Virgo. So you have the day that you were born and how all those planets are playing out. But then and that first year of your life, the, the sun giving the, the spark, if you will, to each one of those planets in turn, right? So I didn't mean to uh, break into a whole nother, uh, <laughs> a whole nother thing, but there it is, right? We have these layers of truths in our astrology that we can play with. And sometimes it makes perfect sense to do that. For example, relocation astrology suddenly made perfect sense for me to look at. And other times it comes later, right? That, oh, you know, why is uh, there some time gap between um, this or that? And sometimes that's explained by another layer of your astrology that we haven't even thought of yet. So it is totally fascinating and JLo, I knew you would love digging into all of that. Uh, Tanya says, fascinating. Erica, that's interesting. What is this concept? That concept are, is called persona charts. So I think I shared that with you once a long time ago, um, where in astro.com, you can actually go in and print out your persona charts. And the persona charts, I just threw mine away about a week ago because it was hanging around here and I was getting all tangled up and... Um, but I can print off another one. That's a, maybe a conversation for another day. Let's let's look at the relocation today since that was the subject. Um, Kayla, yeah, that, that's the first time she says that I've heard it explained that way. But it makes sense, right? Because the sun is our full personality. So these other planets are facets of our personality. So in turn, as the sun moves through the chart, whatever first planet it comes to, it births. So get this, in my chart, I only have the sun in Le in uh, Gemini. And then I have no, uh, the first planet birthed in my chart would have been uh, my, my Cancer Mercury, right? That was the first planet birthed. And then I have a lot of planets in Leo. And those planets got birthed before my moon got birthed. So a lot of my outer world, uh, my outer expression of who I am was birthed before my inner one was. So I don't know what that means necessarily, except it's interesting to think about uh, in terms of, of how things might play out in your life, right? How timing of things in your life. So anyway, uh, Andy Girl says, your sun and moon have a signature that correlates to a zodiac sign. It's the degrees between your sun and moon. Are you talking about the halfway point of that, like the midpoint of the sun and the moon? That would be interesting too. Um, JLo, my take when the moon hits it, that's what it's activating. The per 
what people like to call the shadow of that planet. Yep. Erica Dorsey says that makes sense in relation to stelliums due to the heightened energy of the planets all having the same planet and they're birthing at the same time, like literally one after the other. I have a Mars Uranus conjunction. So those two were birthed at the same time. And then my North node and then uh, the moon and then Pluto right after my moon. But those two would have been in Virgo. So it's as the moon is, or as the sun was transiting through all of those different places. So literally what it does is it accounts for the very, very uniqueness that we all are, right? So when we have seven and a half or so billion people on the planet, all with these different clocks of uh, astrology that are, you know, chiming their timing at different times, it makes sense why we are all so different, right? Why we have these many variabilities in who we are and in how we express ourselves right and uh interesting when i checked human design this morning because i thought okay if my astrology chart relocated makes an impact does my human design chart change right inquiring minds want to know so i went in and i changed my location to where i live now for human design and it didn't impact it at all that's when I say human design is much more forgiving about birth time and birthplace. Uh, it, it, it's just a different uh, cal <clears throat> calculation, a different way of looking at things. So it didn't make a change, not even in my moon, not even in my moon. So that was interesting to me. Now, do I think that means that nobody's charts are going to change? Nobody's human design charts are going to change? That I don't know until I test it out. I didn't have time to get to Debbie's HD or to Tom's HD well, hello, dude, uh, before I uh, actually had to come on air, but that'll be something I will be checking out. So if I call upon some of you to let me look at your charts for that, don't be surprised, right? Because um, I've done readings for most of you that are out here uh, in the morning. So it's possible that I would have a memory of what might be different. So, okay, let's take a look at relocation charts. First, let me open them up because... Sometimes we're going to look at mine first and then Tom's and then Debbie's and you're not seeing anything yet because I haven't shared the screen, but now I'm going to share my screen. All right, I'm going to make this bigger. So now what you're seeing are side by sides of my chart. Here's my natal chart. And I know it looks like a bunch of scribble, just bear with me here for a minute. And then here is my relocated chart. There's nothing to show here. Stop sharing. There is something to show there because I was showing it. Oh, what are you doing? Okay. Let's share again. Don't do this to me this morning. There. Okay. I'm not going to move my mouse or my cursor yet. So on this side, but I have to. Okay. Over here. Over here, we have my birth chart that shows, you know, remember, this is a whole sign chart. If we explore Placidus sometime, or have time sometime, we'll do it in Placidus as well, because you're going to see it looks completely different there as well. But you can see right here, the ascendant is at 26 degrees, zero, zero minutes. And it puts Cancer in my first house and it puts Capricorn then in my seventh house. And that makes sense. It does make sense in some ways, but I've always had a problem thinking about Capricorn on my seventh house. That's just me. Now, if you look at the relocated chart, it moves into uh, a Leo, a different sign or the, uh, the ascendant does. So one degree of Leo that puts in the whole sign, the whole sign of Leo on the first house which makes the seventh house Aquarius. Well, that makes much more sense. And it puts Saturn back in the sixth house where I think it really belongs in my chart and Jupiter in my seventh house where I really feel like it belongs where earlier or um, with a Cancer rise, it put Jupiter and Saturn in different places. So, but look at the impact. The sun in my relocated chart is actually at the end of the 11th house where in my natal chart, it was at the end of the 12th house, a hidden sun 
versus one that is seen and is creating networks and humanitarian things and so forth and so on. So then it also impacts the transits, right? The transit planets with the sun now in Leo, uh, all of these personal characteristics are being hit in my relocation chart, as opposed to in my birth chart where they would be in the money house or in resources. And I'm certainly not having that impact there. So, but what is happening in my own personal life is a personal re-evaluation of who I am and what I'm doing, how I am expressing myself. And the sun in Leo is about self-expression. So everything makes perfect sense here. And I also said I was going to show you something. So um, let's see if I can make it just a tiny bit bigger. All right. Hopefully you guys are seeing that. When I said that I was having dreams and in my dreams, all my different nephews uh, and nieces are showing up. <clears throat> I was like, well, why is that? The full moon over here in the sign of Aquarius, right? And when we look at our siblings in a chart, so a nephew is going to be the child of my sister or my brother, right? That's what nephews and nieces are. The house that rules our siblings is the third house. And I want to know about their children, which are nieces and nephews, right? So if I'm looking at that, then I'm going to count five, their children, fifth house rules children. So I'm going to count five houses from the third house of siblings. So I can take a look at the siblings, children or nieces and nephews. So, if, and you always start with the house you're in. So one, two, three, four, five, my sister's children and my, my siblings' children are going to show up in the seventh house. And that's where the full moon is. And that's what I've been dreaming about made perfect sense to me this morning when I realized that now why they're showing up may be a little bit different uh, for a reason, uh, especially just, just especially because some of them I barely know because, you know, I've just never been around them very much. So anyway, interesting to see the difference. Now I'm going to stop sharing this one and I'm going to go to Tom's chart. Now y'all know that uh, Tom just recently moved, right? He moved from uh, West coast of Canada into uh, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. So what is that, Tom? Maybe 3,000, 3,500 something miles across the country. So that should impact his chart, right? So that is something um, that we want to look at. So let me get Tom's opened up here and then I'll share my screen with Tom's. And uh, share, there we go. Share screen window, Tom. There we go. So now we should be looking at Tom's. Now, first thing notice, Tom's birth ascendant is 21 degrees of Virgo. And that puts in whole sign astrology, the whole sign of Virgo on his first house, but hit by moving, which I thought would have been huge. It really only makes a two degree impact on his uh, chart. So his ascendant goes from 21 Virgo to 23 degrees of Virgo. And if you look planets to planets, they're all pretty much in the same place. Um, the sun changes by just a couple of uh, his sun in his natal chart in uh, Vancouver is at 13 degrees of Gemini, 13 even it looks like. Yeah. And then just slightly different, 12 degrees, 53 minutes when he's relocated to Ottawa. Now what that means, that's not impacting necessarily anything big except for his, his solar return, which is already corrected for where you now live. So interesting that it's the, that we were all in, in astrology, we've already been relocating the charts when it's a solar return, because we need to know where you are on the planet so that your solar return aligns correctly. So Tom, even though there are some changes, they're not huge. Look at your midheaven changes to almost 22 degrees of Gemini from 1950 Gemini. So a couple of degrees there, but still in the 10th house. And 
let's see, as we come back over here, your Venus stays at 28 degrees, just a couple of minutes different. And in the eighth house of transformation, hmm, some transformation going on in your relationships. And then uh, seventh house doesn't change. The Jupiter and moon separate by two degrees and Saturn stays the same. So not, not tremendous changes except for the timing of things, right? If we're going to time something that's going to change based on your um, rising sign, then two degrees different is going to make a difference in timing, maybe by a couple of hours, maybe even a day, depending on, you know, where, what time of day we're looking at, you know, something happening. And that's important to know, but no huge impact, not, not huge in your case. In my case, maybe because I changed latitude as well as longitude, maybe that's the uh, result. You know, that was maybe what a four, a five degree change in rising where yours is literally just a two degree change in the rising. So nothing huge there. Now, Debbie, I'm going to stop sharing here uh, and open up Debbie's chart. Debbie changed, like me, um, both latitude and longitude. So I'm going to share her chart now. Or, yeah, charts. There we go. So now you should be seeing Debbie's chart. I'm going to make them a little bit bigger. So Debbie's birth chart over here on the left, she has a six degree Sagittarius ascendant, a scholarly one. She is indeed looking for information, wanting to get to the depth of things. And when we look at her relocated chart, 12 degrees ascendant, um, a six degree difference, which is, you know, pretty profound, but it doesn't change it. It changes it further into Sagittarius. And when we look at her planets, right, we can see that they pretty much stay in the same place. Sun, Venus, Jupiter, and Uranus, and the south node, but it does move her vertex um, from the eighth house into the ninth house. So the vertex in astrology is a sensitive point. It's not a, uh, it's not necessarily a, it's not a planet, right? It's not like you're going to find the vertex in the sky. It's based on a mathematical calculation. Uh, and it's roughly equivalent to say the halfway point of the chart of all of the energy in the chart. And it's typically falling between the fifth and the ninth houses in the chart. And uh, that's just the typical, right? I've seen it in other places, but it holds a bit of karma with it. So if, you've, if you're not familiar with the vertex, planets that are transiting across the vertex are often indicators of some kind of connection that happens, some kind of event even that happens between you and another person or something that happens in your life that is following the lines of your um, karmic path, right? And I don't mean karma as in it has to be negative uh, or of some kind of lesson sort of thing. It can be karmic as in reward, right? Some kind of reward. And when we look at Debbie's chart, it's interesting because Debbie, Venus today in, or in this, you know, uh, transit is sitting at zero degrees of Leo because she's just moved into Leo yesterday with the full moon. And your vertex is at one degree of Leo, right? Your vertex is my rising sign. So you can sort of see that, you know, there's connections between you and I. I didn't look at that with Tom. I should have, but we already know we have connections, Tom. And when I look at this, then it's possibility. Venus rules things like relationships and love and romance, but also uh, self-expression in terms of, you know, saying your truth, live, saying your personal um, self-expression. It's also resources or money, uh, things that you are bringing in for yourself. So is there some new money coming in for you? Some, some kind of event. I'll be interested to see if there's something going on in one of your love relationships either a new relationship. I'm not saying that you're going to have a new relationship, Debbie, but you know, it's there. 
And since you are a live model of what can happen right now with the vertex, um, inquiring minds want to know, has something happened in your financial life? Has something happened in terms of what you value or what you think is worthy? Or have, have you appreciably changed in terms of how you see yourself or how you view yourself as far as worth? And or is there something going on in relationships? I want to know, right? I think we all want to know. Uh, just because not every time something goes past the vertex does uh, an event happen in your life. Well, we don't know that for sure because we really haven't been looking at it. And in galactic astrology, which you all know I'm studying, we do look at the vertex, right? The vertex, part of fortune, Chiron, they're all minor in the big scheme of things, but their placement in the stars can indicate lifetimes in other systems where you've had a karmic connection, where uh, the things that you're really good at were birthed. Uh, or where a wound developed, right, that you carry into earth. Maybe earth is the best place for you to be able to work through that karma. So it's also very interesting. The program, Jana, that I use automatically changes the time zone. So I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. Um, but it does give us these aha moments, doesn't it, right? About, ooh, wow. Uh, Nico um janet if you need a natal chart to look at and explore i'm down to share mine with you nico why don't you go ahead and put your um birth information in for me unless i've done a reading for you i recognize your name but not anything attached to it so uh let me know your birth dates and maybe we can take a look at that debbie says no new love but hoping some money comes in art is good art venus art right the, that art, artistry and artisticness. Uh, so your art birthed. Nice. I love it. Uh, Annie Babcock, I'm willing to share my chart as well. Probably won't get to me and I'd have to share it with you. Um, you can certainly do that. And we don't have to do all of this today. This is an exploration that we're looking at. So um, I like to gather people that who, who don't mind if I share their chart. You see that I actually hide the birth information so no one can, you know, get your identity or anything from your, your birth deets on the chart. Uh, and I just think it's interesting to look at a variety of charts. Now, if you're someone who lives fairly close to where you were born, there's not going to be a big impact. Why would there be, right? You're still around the same latitude and longitude. But if you've moved a lot, so let's say you were born in the US, but now you live in Europe, my guess is there's going to be a change in how that chart plays out. Now, does it change your fundamental birth chart? No, it doesn't. But it flavors it pretty powerfully, right? As you can see, like in my own chart, my move created a pretty big change in terms of how everything is playing out. And on, a, on an intuitive level, I'm sure I tapped into that, which is why I was so disappointed to find out I had a cancer rising sign, because I was just certain it was Leo. It's funny, right? It's just funny. So yes, we'll definitely uh, take a look at other charts at other times. Uh, JLo, thank you. That's good. Uh, she says, I will be going to Mount Shasta in June of 2023, so less than a year. This is something, this is also something that changes it. Vacation, it changes the experiences. It, it, the experience you would have in California versus New York or New Jersey, I forgot, I think you're in New York, um, might be pretty monumental, right? That you might be sort of around the same um, latitude, but likely, well, definitely longitude will change, right? You'll be, so that would be interesting to look at. What might you be experiencing? What can you expect? And this might also account for why we are drawn to certain places or why other places kind of repel us. Like, ugh, right? I, the thought of going there just goes, you know, into my stomach. But the thought of going somewhere else is like, yes, I want to go there. Um, so exploring that before you go on a vacation might be good, right? If you're going on a far vacation, I should explore the Mexico vacation I took and see. Uh, how, how that plays out. Or Debbie, when you and I went to the Caribbean, that was such a great trip. Um, probably affected my my chart in a positive way. So I love it. I love it. I love it. You guys are all so interested in this. 
and uh, Nico, let's just let me take down your birth information while I see it here so I don't forget. Um, 0223 San Diego, another Californian. And then Nico, where do you live now? Because if I'm going to relocate your chart, I need to know where you are now versus where you were born. Okay, so put that down there for me as well. And then let's see, who else was it that just asked me or said that? It was Annie. If you send me your birth information, please also tell me where you live now versus where you were born because that's what drives that relocation chart. Okay, so Nico and it is Vasquez. There we go. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what's going on this weekend. Uh, the current astrology, if we have some time, then we'll go back and look at charts. Holy moly, I forgot to plug in my computer. Good thing I have a new laptop with a good battery. Uh, so today we said the moon is in Aquarius. We are moving toward the end of the Aquarian um, transit. And the moon is technically speaking in the void right now. It's wandering around, right? from 4.08 a.m. Pacific time until 11.45 a.m. Pacific time. At that point, the moon will move into Pisces, and that sets us up for the Piscean energy for the weekend. But because we didn't really meet, what well, we have talked about Aquarius before, but I wanted to take a look really quickly at Aquarius energy. It is the the light and the shadow, right? The, 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 the shadow being sometimes what holds sway, uh, when we're unconscious about how to use the energy and the positive when we become more conscious about it. And in Aquarius, we have open-mindedness. The sign itself drives us to be open-minded and perhaps even more open-hearted because the moon is emotional, taking us maybe into our solar plexus and our heart connection, calibrating us as it were uh, to make sure our, our alignment is toward our heart and not toward something that we feel we have to be or something that we have to do. So we have open-mindedness versus the shadow, which would be the opposite, narrow-mindedness. And we also have the innovativeness, the inventiveness of Aquarius versus the stuck-in-the-past energy of the lower expression of Aquarian energy. Aquarians think outside of the box versus the shadow, which is the inability to see outside of the box, the frog-in-the-well syndrome where if you're at the bottom of the well, you look up, you're only seeing a certain part of the sky and you've limited your vision, right? So the in inability to see anything other than what's right in front of them, um, the originality of Aquarius in the positive versus the staleness of Aquarius in the negative, intuition and being highly intuitive versus getting caught up in the mind or logic. And there's nothing wrong with logic. So I'm not I'm not bashing logic. I'm just saying that Aquarian can Aquarius in the positive is tapping into a well of intuition, but in its more negative energy can get caught up in that loop thinking that sometimes logic gets us into. And it is a very humanitarian sign in its highest and best, but in its lowest, it is everyone for themselves kind of energy so we can get an idea of what the light and the dark is and of course it's a spectrum so we can express all the way through right not just the high or the low uh, but that gives us the markers right so we can see where we are what other people are doing and how other people are behaving by that spectrum uh, Pisces so Pisces uh, energy, to, so at 11.45 a.m. Pacific time, which will be 2.45 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast, the moon will move out of Aquarius and into Pisces, a completely different energy. It is an energy where in the light, it's highly compassionate. And in the dark, it is issues with boundaries, right? Where, where does my compassion cross a boundary and become me trying now to take care of you or save you, right? So we have this compassion versus boundary in issues. We have, <coughs> excuse me, Piscean idealism, right? The illusion, right? The, the, the idealism or the highest vision of the visionary aspect versus being crushed by reality, right? That is often what drives Pisces uh, energy into um, escapist 
tendencies, right? The escapism comes from being crushed by reality, the weight of reality, uh, or believing the, the weight of reality versus staying in the ideal state. Imagination and artistic expression and just that real creative Piscean energy that can soar to the heights versus the helpless and hopeless energy that Pisces can get us into the shadow. Again, the full spectrum of expression available to us. Psychic and emotional sensitivity in Pisces versus confusion. And again, a sort of erasing of the boundaries. Where do I start and where do you start? Or where do I begin or where do I end and you begin kind of, of energy? But it can be, you know, that confusion in general as the ruling planet for Pisces, the modern ruling planet is Neptune. So we have some potential for disillusionment. We have some potential for confusion and buying into an illusion. So that gives us the idea of what the moon is doing in the astrology. As we look at the human design aspect, that to me is almost more interesting. I mean, sure, Pisces is interesting. So is Aquarius. But I noted that a lot of the energy that the moon is bringing to us now sits on the solar plexus, the emotional center. So the key for us here is about becoming emotionally intelligent, emotional IQ, emotional EQ, EQ versus IQ, right? Intellect and intelligence versus emotional intelligence or emotional um your EQ, your emotional quotient. The moon today is moving through the 49, which is the gate of revolution on the emotional center, right? Emotional center here, bringing us the, uh, the potential for us to move out of just black or white thinking and into the middle where we can see the multicolored aspects that lie between black and white and to then use that energy to transform or re re rebel, re revolve, revolution, revolutionize our lives. Then it moves into the 30. And the 30 also on the emotional center, a very jacked up, we call it a red flag gate in human design, where that energy takes us into our passion. Are we aligned with what we love? Are we doing what we love? Are we, or are we allowing other people or other circumstances to drive us toward things that don't make sense for us. And then the later in the day, the 55, the 55 also on the emotional solar plexus, the gate of abundance. Interesting always to me that abundance lies on the solar plexus and not on the sacral. The sacral would be what we do to gain abundance, but that isn't where the gate of abundance is. The gate of abundance is on how we feel how we are emotionally aligned with our passion, how we are emotionally aligned with seeing all the colors in the spectrum and not getting stuck. So these energies kind of building one upon the other. And then tomorrow, we are also still at the solar plexus with the gate 37, the gate of peace or serenity. It is a sort of family energy. So interesting. Then we skip from the solar plexus up to the head center and the gate 63, where we have the gate of self-doubt, right? Doubt energy. This is a gate where we need to question everything except ourselves, right? Question what you're reading about. Question what you're hearing. Question what people are telling you. But don't get into suspecting that you have a problem or doubting that your own self or doubting your own heart or your own metaphor. Uh, uh, motivations. Discernment is another word I could bring in here. So then we jump from the 63 tomorrow to the 22. Now we're back at the emotional solar plexus, and that is called the gate of grace. And it is a moody sort of energy where when we're feeling good, then the words that we share and the things that we do feel empowering to us and feel good to us. But at the same time, that gate can also take us into the more shy energy or the more withdrawn energy. And we have to stay in grace, being okay with whatever the mood is. But then also because the solar plexus is also about whether we are being reactive or are we being in response, then we understand that just because we might be in a bad mood for the moment, 
that we don't need to share that bad mood with everybody around us in a negative way. But understanding it doesn't make you bad, it doesn't make you wrong. We just use grace to understand that we're moving through a lower energy time and that that energy or that mood will also shift back to the higher, more uh, fun-loving energies that we want. But we also have to understand that creative energy and the solar plexus is the seat of creativity has its spectrum that it goes through. It goes through the very quiet, withdrawn uh, energies, and then it gets expressed outward. So incubation, and then we have the birth, right? So that is a part of our weekend. On Sunday, we are still at the um, solar plexus, at least for the first few hours of the day, where the moon will be at the gate 36. And I do believe Neptune is still sitting at 36, It is indeed. So now we'll have a moon conjunct Neptune at 36. And 36 is a gate of restlessness and boredom in its lower expression. In its highest expression, it is the experiences that we have, good or bad, uh, high or low, that we then use as a tool to empower others to understand their experiences or how to work through their own experiences. So experience of spirit, experiences of our humanness, all on that Sunday. And then the last gate as the moon moves into Aries later in the day on Sunday is the gate 25, the gate of the love of spirit. So we end the weekend on a pretty high note of looking for love in the world, looking for love, even if the world is showing us a lot of unlovingness, we're looking for love in the world. So so much for that right and the void of course moon on sunday is from 8 11 a.m until 1 43 p.m before the moon shifts from pisces into aries so the moon will feel a little wandery we might be a little lazier on sunday at least here on the west coast (laughs) Um, a little lazier sunday not wanting to get out and about very quickly Uh, i can just about imagine you know me sitting in my chair just reading or whatever on sunday uh although it's Aries energy, which is a doing energy too. Anyway, so good stuff there. And uh, lastly, uh, as far as uh, information I want to share, the sun today moving into the gate four, and the gate four sits on the Ajna, so it's fielding the thinking part of ourselves, right? The, The processing of memory, the processing of information, the data recall, the analysis, and all of the thinking, right? So those of you who have a defined Ajna, you know what I mean. This is thinking energy. Now, what's the thinking of the gate four? Well, it's about possibilities, right? Gate four in uh, in quantum human design was renamed uh, possibilities. Now I can't even remember what it was in traditional astral or traditional human design. Uh, I'll get it. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Now it's all about possibilities. So we're thinking instead of what is or uh, the fear of that we might have about how something might turn out. Instead, it's about, well, what more is possible, right? What, what could happen? What could be the result? What if I changed up my thinking? You know, what if I got out of my uh, set way of thinking and tried to do something different with my mind, right? Then possibilities, right? So it's possibilities. And it's interesting in the gene keys because it goes in a little bit different direction with the gene keys in that the lowest expression, the shadow expression here is intolerance, intolerance of of our own self, our own thinking patterns, intolerance of the other people around us and their thinking patterns, intolerance of new ideas, intolerance in general, right? Something that is the shadow that is born out of fear. So when we look at the shadow energies, especially in the gene keys, we see they're born out of fear and fear still a major motivator on this planet, even now, right? When we look at the gift, if we moved up a level, if we move out of intolerance, we get to understanding. So the gift of understanding, understanding different that different people have different points of view, understanding that we've all come from different backgrounds and we've come from different cultures. We've come from different religious learnings. We've come from different families. And that means that we are all unique, right? So um, valuing and understanding come from getting out of intolerance of others, right? And in the highest expression, it's forgiveness. So we have the forgiveness gate uh, for a week now, or the next five days, uh, from the 12th through, 
the 16th, so four days, five days if you count today. So forgiveness, what might you need to forgive yourself for? Um, how can you practice forgiveness, right? Uh, if you guys signed up for the Gene Keys Richard uh, once a, a week when these energies change, he sends out an email to remind us about what that energy is. And today he's talking about this bigger energy of forgiveness, right? That forgiving everything, it takes time and time to kind of bloom or blossom out to impact all of the things, right? So all of the things that have happened. So it starts though with us, right? Forgiving, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, and then let that build outward and outward. Now the earth, moon, Saturn, as we talked about briefly earlier, all at the gate 49, the gate of revolution in human design, uh, I believe it's called the catalyst now in quantum human design. So it gives you an idea. This is catalyzing energy. So the earth challenging us to do something different, catalyzing a new momentum, catalyzing a change. And in the lower aspect of this energy in the gene keys, it's the energy of reaction. And we always talk about reaction versus response. So reactive energy is when we don't stop and think or um, give ourselves a space to breathe before we just gut check, right? We, we just do, or we just say, where if we respond, we take a moment, we breathe, that's always important, and we consider what do we want to do or what do we want to say before we do it, right? So we're not gut checking, we are responding. So we're not reactive, but we are responding. But in the shadow energy, we're reacting, right? It's the um, the slap heard around the world, right? Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, right? That is impulsive. That was likely reactive. It could have been planned. I don't know. Who knows? But it, it, it's a good model for us to look at. And in the next aspect, the higher aspect is the gift level. We see revolution where we are able to change, transform. And it is energy that often carries us away into a new pathway, right? It's almost like an evolutionary leap is possible when we take a look at this energy. And remember, I said that the 49 is black or white. And what the gift is, is seeing that there's a whole revolution of color in between the two colors, right? It's not just gray, but what falls between black and white is the whole spectrum of colors. And we can be revolutionizing our lives by seeing color, right? Seeing it in color, seeing it for all of its beauty. The highest expression, the Siddhi, is rebirth. So what we see is we're out of revolution comes this ability to rebirth ourselves. I kind of see the USA going through this now as we're still in the midst of our, uh, our uh, Pluto return. And Pluto as a planet rules that transformation process, the ongoing nature of the process of taking ourselves and becoming empowered. So we're still seeing all of that going on here. And because we have Earth, Moon, and Saturn at this gate, it gives us a lot of indication that this is a big thing for us, right? This is big energy. And that we have to, one, learn to evolve from the lower energies because the Earth is the evolution point between um, our our earthly existence and where we want to get with the sun. If we want to get to the highest energy of forgiveness, we're going to have to go through every place in our lives where we have been in reaction and where we need to make a revolution and where we need to be rebirthed, right? The fact that the moon is there takes it into our emotional energy as well. It moves faster, so it's going to move on out, but Saturn will stay there. Saturn, duty and responsibility. What do you have to do to build a new foundation based not in reaction, but in revolutionary energy that leads to rebirth, both personally, on a community level, on a national level, but also on an earthly level? I'm going to even go as far as to say galactically. If we want to be galactic citizens, what are we going to have to evolve from, right? What are we going to have to let go of? All right, so that's a mouthful for uh, the next week. Let me take a look at what everybody else is saying here. Germany, I lived in Germany for two years while in the army, Christine says. How did you feel when you were there? That's the question because the impact likely from your chart is going to be 
maybe significant, right? So how did you feel there? Sylvester says I could read his chart. Um, oh, okay, Nico, now I get it. And you live in Tucson. Okay, Tucson. All right, what time is it? I do have a little bit of time. So Nico, I am actually, because you are totally new to me in terms of um, astrology, I'm going to actually do a quick chart for you, Nico Vasquez, and then I'm going to, I'm going to have to do two. So this is going to take up a lot of time. If you guys have to go, I'll understand, but I'm going to stick here with this for the time being, although a little bit of a time being. <laughs> oh, we need to, 2 a.m. And 23 minutes. California, San Diego. Perfect. Now I'm going to pull that chart up. And we're, I'm going to do them in separate charts. Okay, Nico. So let's take a look at this chart. I'm going to share my screen with everybody. Well, that's not what I meant to have happen. There we go. So we should all be looking at Nico's chart. So I see Nico. This is whole sign, by the way. I did not change to Placidus with this. I left it. So you and I have an op opposite chart. You're opposite of my uh, relocation chart with Aquarius on the rise. Someone with a very unique perspective. And of course, the pressure of the moon and uh, Saturn going through here, as well as Earth being here. Um, for the meantime, as you are changing perhaps your perspective, who you think you are, right? Who do you think you are? With Leo on the other side, the sun holding this energy of around your relationships, where your moon is as well. What's the reflection you see of yourself in your relationships? Are you dumbing yourself down to fit in with other people uh, or with your, your closest relationship, your significant other? Uh, or are you really truly living your divine self, right? Or are you struggling in the relationship to be your most self-expressive, to be your truth. And literally that's about all we're going to have time to look at as far as that, but that's what that chart looks like in terms of where you were born. Now I'm going to stop sharing and I'm going to go change that chart to um, chart selection. Let's go back. No, 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 no. Well, it'll still work. Uh, I'm going to edit you. I'm going to edit you, Nico. And now I'm going to change to where you are living now, which is Tucson. Now, I don't expect that this will make a huge impact. Tucson is in Arizona. But let's see. And I want transits to... With a late degree of Aquarius, it did. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, so StreamYard, let's share the screen one more time. Tab. There we go. So Nico, all I did, you got I've got the same birth date, per, birth time, and all I did was go from San Diego um, over to where, oops, I gotta go to this one. Now, Tucson, did that screen change? Everybody, somebody, you know, pop into a StreamYard for me and see if you see a chart now. Yes, you do. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, so now you see you have a Pisces rising where you live. Six degrees of Pisces. That's funny. That's exactly where my Jupiter sits in my chart uh, natally. And that gives you Virgo on the seventh house. So changing up where the full moon is, right? The full moon transiting through Aquarius might be bringing up hidden fears. It might be bringing up blocks or limitations, things where you put a cap on yourself and are holding yourself down. And it's time to let them up and to, you know, embrace them and to release them, right? Any places might be coming up. And you've got now in this relocated chart, Saturn moving through here, which has been for since 2020, right? The end of 2020. So you've had a longer term transit 
of possibly if you've lived in in tucson this whole time of saturn in a 12th house which is so uncomfortable sometimes right it's like almost this serious nature of fears and blocks and restrictions and self-sabotage that is might be coming up but the reason isn't to harm you or punish you it's so that you'll let this stuff go so that by the time saturn crosses over into pisces in march i think it is of 2023 you a new you emerges right a new maybe uh, unencumbered you emerges with saturn's emergence into your first house so part of the process of letting go of some of the old things, but also maybe feeling in some cases like you're having to pay the price for things, decisions that you made earlier in your life, maybe wishing you'd done it differently, all of those kinds of things popping into your reality. And I want to know for sure if that's something that's happening, because that's you know going to tell us too whether or not this relocation chart is working. And Nico says, thank you. This all resonates. Awesome. Um, Erica says, gosh, now I want to move out of my beloved Indiana. <laughs> Only, you know, so much goes into that, right? If you're going to move, we've got to do a chart first. You know, if you just say that you want to move from Indiana to Washington, um, we'd have to do, we'd have to look at that to see, is there an appreciable impact? Is it an impact that you really want? Right, because it's not like all your problems go away because you move. They just take on a different view, right? They look different. They feel different, perhaps. Maybe there are different solutions that that appear. But your your birth chart is always going to be there as well. Okay, Leslie Arboleda, love, love, love that insight about the gate of abundance being in the solar plexus. I know, isn't that great? That always gets me. Um, Saturn in Libra in the seventh house. I'm confused with this position. <clears throat> maybe indecisive about who you are in light of the relationship that you're in. And um, that that's a whole, we could get into a whole nother um, conversation about that. And okay, he says, yes, or Nico says, yes, it's been a feeling of blocks. Ugh. Yeah. But they're there for a reason. <clears throat> One of the things that I'm realizing through the soul alignment and realignment work that I've been doing is that we, that the blocks and restrictions that we see in our lives are not put there by anybody other than ourselves. I, I really, that just irks me on some level, right? That I would choose to play in a world where I'm blocked or I'm limited, or I'm restricted in some way. But it is a choice that we make. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have things that happen in our lives, right? So, you know, you get, you're in a relationship, let's say, and, you know, you get cheated on in the relationship. There's nothing that you can change about that having happened, right? That's something that's truly happened. So I don't want to be Pollyanna about how that happened. But your choice in all of that is what, how do you respond to it? You know, how do I respond when I'm challenged by things? And where blocks come up is where, for example, we might choose to say, I'm never getting in another relationship ever again, right? I'm blocking my heart to love. <clears throat> I've been hurt, right? I've been burned and I don't want to go there again. So I'm blocking myself, right? That's a block that you're choosing. That's a response that you are choosing in relation to what's happened. And I think then when something like Saturn and the moon or a full moon are occurring in the 12th house, that what comes up in full glory, the light of the moon, is where we have been our own self-saboteur in that respect, rather than our own best friend. So, you know, take a, everybody take a look at that for everything that you see in your life that you might suspect is a block. Uh, where you feel blocked, where you feel like you can't get what you need or what have you, that these are choices that you're making. All of us, not, you know, it, all of us are always choosing, right? Even if you think you're not choosing, you're choosing. You're just choosing not to choose. Does that make sense? There's a song by Rush that says that, right? If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice, right? 
So we're always choosing. That's one of the gifts of being human on a planet like Earth where we have free will. We're always choosing. So when something comes up in our lives, we always have the choice of how it is we're going to react or respond. How are we going to respond? So bad things happen here on this planet. Life happens to each one of us. We've all been screwed in certain ways, right? We've all lost jobs. We've all had relationship issues. We've all had financial or health or, you know, problems, right? In some way, it is your choice. And what stops you from carrying on damage in your soul's blueprint is how you respond, how you show up, right? Do you, do you respond in the negative or do you respond in as highly positive way as you can, uh, which is difficult, right? That's part of our emotions get in the way sometimes in, in that respect. So um, anyway, it's my pleasure to be here and talk to you guys about these different things. We certainly covered a lot of territory today. Um, you know, if you are on Facebook and you are watching the show, in the comments, you can ask questions. I will later this afternoon go back to Facebook and look at that and see what I can find from your questions. If you are on YouTube, you can comment on the video and I can look at comments and answer questions that way as well. So I see a lot of new faces out here and I'm so happy. If you are watching me on YouTube and you have not yet done so, please subscribe, the little subscribe button. Um, and if you're on Facebook, hit the thumbs up and also YouTube, you hit the uh, like, no, like on Facebook, thumbs up on YouTube, <laughs> the games we play with social media. Oh my God. Anyway, that, oh, Erica, please do email me. I am, um, I'm really excited to hear how people are responding to their soul realignments. In the meantime, I will be back on Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific. I will also be a guest on a podcast, um, uh, Compassionate Compass. No. Oh, my God. I just butchered that. On Monday, it's on the Facebook page. Look at that. It'll be at 5 p.m. East Coast time, 2 p.m. my time, West Coast time. And we're going to be talking about human design. And uh, the link, again, is on the Facebook page. I'll also email that out to everybody in on my mailing list over the weekend. So, And it's an, a real podcast where I, it's not video, it's audio only. So you can call in maybe and ask questions. That should be fun too. All right, guys, take care. Have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday. Bye for now.